Well, it's great to be here and great to see uh, lots of familiar faces, including uh, some not so familiar. We've heard heaps about uh, Mary Creek uh, at St Hilary's, but it's great to, to finally be here and also great to be able to be uh, looking at God's Word uh, with you this morning. Uh, there was this church a few years ago uh, that switched from using a, a physical prayer book uh, every week on Sundays to having their liturgies uh, printed out by a computer. Um, and soon after they made that switch, uh, a woman in the church called Edna um, sadly passed away. Um, but uh, they thought that they would be able to save time for, for Edna's funeral um, by just using the order of service that they'd used um, for Mary, who'd passed away just a, a few months earlier. Except what they'd do is that they'd tell the computer everywhere they saw uh, Mary, uh, they would just tell the computer to change it to Edna. Um, so they were pretty pleased with themselves and, and the service, Edna's funeral, was going along uh, incredibly well until, of course, they reached that time in the service where they share and recite the Apostles' Creed. Here's how it went. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and in the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Edna. <laughs> Poor old Edna and her funeral and her family. Uh, the, the reality is uh, that in church, um, we, we say all kinds of things uh, and we hear all kinds of things, but the, the challenge that Jesus brings in the passage this morning, uh, the challenge to us uh, is, do we not just hear them, but do we actually understand them and do we put them into practice? Uh, the words don't mean anything until you understand them and you put them into practice. And so uh, really the title of the talk today is that actions speak louder than words. Um, it'd be fair to ask though, if actions speak louder than words, then why don't we just get on with the business of um, acting and, and, and being uh, active instead of wasting all this time on getting into the word? Uh, why don't we just go on with it and put it into action? Uh, but the problem with that is that that would be like writing uh, an amazing uh, essay uh, for an exam or for a paper without reading the instructions or without reading the essay question properly. Um, so you hand in your essay uh, and when you get it back, you look down to the bottom of the essay uh, and it says, fantastic essay, wrong question, <laughs> F. Uh, that's what it would be like for us to just get on with the actions without paying attention to God's Word. So we need to be studying God's Word and understanding what it is that He's saying to us in order for us to be able to put it into practice. And so the point of what uh, Jesus is saying in, in Luke chapter 6, and I hope you'll have that uh, in front of you as you, we go through it uh, this morning, um, is not just to ignore the Bible and get on with it, but it's to read the Bible, but not just read it, but to if you like, put it into practice. Actions speak louder than words. And so um, as we go through, I think you'll notice um, as we go through the passage that Jesus gives two warnings. Um, and it is quite a somber um, passage, actually. It, it's heavy, uh, and Jesus is bringing a warning uh, to the people he's speaking to and to us this morning. Um, the first warning is the danger of a merely verbal Profession, the danger of a merely verbal profession. Look at verse 46. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, Jesus is 
confronting people who talk the talk, but they don't actually walk the walk. They're not putting it into practice. Um, and I found it's really easy to assume that just because people um, are in church, just because they're in small group, uh, just because uh, they're on the roster, that they must be uh, close with the Lord Jesus and actually doing everything that he says. But I think it's dangerous to assume that on the outside, just because people are saying certain things or behaving in certain ways, that they actually are close and walking with Jesus as Lord. Um, some of you, those of you who uh, have been at St Hilary's recently, will know um, Jack Holloway, who's uh, become the youth minister uh, recently at St Hilary's, um, where I've been for the last three years. And he has this photo uh, of everyone that was in his year level um, when he was in year eight at St Hilary's. I think there's about uh, a dozen um, people in that photo. Now, if you were in Jack's year level, you can come and verify this with me later. But, but Jack says that um, out of everyone in that photo now, 10 years, about 10 years on, uh, he can pick out everyone in that photo and say that basically, as far as he can tell, he's actually the only one who's still walking with Jesus as the Lord, or at least only one of a few in that whole photo. Um, and, and he uses that as, if you like, an object lesson with his team of youth leaders to show them that it's dangerous to assume that just because people are rocking up week in, week out, and they're saying the right things and doing the right things, that they actually have that deep foundation in the Lord Jesus that withstands the test of time and challenges. And I would love to be able to say that if I was one of those youth leaders, um, I wouldn't have made that assumption that I would have uh, made certain and made sure that they had actually had a deep foundation. But, but sadly, I'm not sure that I can always say that. Uh, I remember getting an email from a girl uh, in my youth ministry um, who was at uh, St Alfred's and I had been her leader. Her name was Sam. Um, she came to church regularly. Uh, she, was, um, she had strong Christian parents uh, and I assumed pretty much that she was a Christian until I got an email from her uh, one day where, where she told me that she'd become a Christian. Um, and, and this is how it happened. This is what she told me. Uh, she said that um, her, her teacher at school was a Christian and had invited her to church just, just once. And, and so she went along to her teacher's uh, church one Sunday. And after the service, her teacher just came up to her and point blank asked her, um, are you born again? And she's like, oh, actually, no. So her teacher was like, well, do you want to be born again? Do you want to give your life to Jesus as Lord? And she said, yeah. And I thought, that's awesome. Great. She told me that story. But I thought, gee, I wish I hadn't assumed that you were a Christian. I wish I had done that. I wish I had been the one who actually wanted to, to kind of go down deep, like Jesus talks about, under the surface to see if that foundation uh, is there. And it was cool that she was so excited that she'd come to the Lord, but it was just a real powerful object lesson for me to not just assume based on appearances. It's important for us to think beyond just appearances. And it's why it's so important for us not to just read God's word, but to put it into practice. Um, I really like what Paul says in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. He says, We proclaim Jesus, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. In other words, it's not just information, proclaiming Jesus, preaching, teaching, warning, but it's so that 
we can reach transformation so that we can present people mature in Christ. That's the end. Um, Peter Adam, who was the um, principal of Ridley when I was there doing my degree, uh, he talks about there being different levels of um, ministry of the word or, or preaching and teaching, or not levels, but different types, different ways of communicating uh, the Bible and teaching the Bible. And it's kind of like if you picture a funnel um, where you've got wide um, bits, if you like, that don't go so deep, and then you've got deep bits that aren't as wide. So um, if you like, there's, there's preaching which um, reaches a wide audience, but you're not necessarily able to nuance it and tailor it to individual needs. So it's, it goes wide, but not so much necessarily as deep, which is why you need uh, small groups or community groups, for example, or, or triplets or accountability groups where you can get together and you can go deeper uh, and apply God's word more to the nuances um, and if you like, idiosyncrasies of individuals. And then you might go even deeper to have a mentor um, or a spiritual director where you meet one-on-one, where you can go even more into even more depth in, in applying the scriptures to people's hearts and lives. And then finally, I think there's the, mo- the deepest and most intimate of all, which is um, our own private devotions, um, where we study, read and study the scriptures and pray and open our lives up uh, to God. And so you need all of those levels. But the important thing uh, in that is that we make ourselves accountable for the areas where we need God's reminders, God's grace, God's help. And we also um, make other people accountable in the community to see that they're on track and that that foundation is still being built underneath the surface. Uh, I often say that uh, Christians can be better at peace faking. Uh, than we are at peace, peacemaking. We, we, we're better at peace faking than we are at peacemaking. Um, and, and sometimes the way that we interact with each other around the scriptures uh, can be a bit more like the couple in this video um, that I'm about to show you, where we kind of um, beat around the bush and don't um, really get to the heart of the issue in applying the scriptures where people need them to be applied. There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me most, that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It's not a nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes... And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snapped. I mean, all of them. <laughs> that sounds really hard. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Ow! Come on, if you would just don't. <laughs> 
so that can be what we're like as we interact with the scriptures, as we talk about, um, you know, avoiding what the real problem is and skirting around the issues. It's the danger of a merely um, verbal profession where uh, we, we kind of talk about it, but we're not serious about um, obeying what the Lord Jesus is actually telling us and putting it into practice. Um, and so uh, we need to be able to um, speak the truth to one another uh, in love. Um, there's a, a bit in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, where God, um, he challenges the false prophets of Israel who, who aren't um, telling the truth. Um, they're peace faking instead of peacemaking. God says to them, they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. It's like what I was saying. Some people are better at peace faking than they are at peacemaking, but not Jesus. Um, Jesus is um, giving a, a serious warning, but a loving and gracious warning about the danger of calling Jesus Lord, Lord, but not actually putting what he says into practice. So, so the first danger in, in the passage this morning is the danger of a merely verbal profession. Um, but there's a second warning uh, and it goes on. And the second warning is the danger of a merely intellectual knowledge, a merely intellectual knowledge. Um, Eugene Peterson um, translates uh, these words in, I think, what is it, quite a fresh way. Have a listen uh, to Eugene Peterson's translation. He says, why are you so polite with me and always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you? Uh, these words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. They are foundation words, words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. So in the parable that Jesus tells, there's these two houses and they both look exactly the same uh, on the surface. But underneath the surface, out of sight, they're quite different. They're completely different. And one of them had its foundation built on the rock and the other had its foundation built on the sand. And these two houses represent two Christians who look exactly the same on the surface. They're probably both going to church. They're both in a community group. They're both on the roster. But underneath, they're completely different. One of them is earnestly and desperately trying to put God's word into practice and to, to hunger after God's word and to bring their life more and more into submission to the Lord Jesus. Whereas the other, it's more of just a theoretical exercise or maybe entertainment or going through the motions. Jesus is saying that, that, that you can fake it for a while with those appearances and you can have people fooled, but eventually you'll get found out. Eventually it will all come crashing down. It'll be a bit like when counterfeit money is, reaches the bank, finally gets to the bank. Uh, imagine if you were at the shops uh, and as change you were given a counterfeit note uh, for change and, and that's all fine and, and you go, go away with it and then you use it to pay for the petrol. And then the station owner takes that and it's all done 
and then the station owner takes it and pays one of his staff. And the staff takes that note uh, and then they go shopping at the groceries and they pay for their groceries at the store and they get their groceries and it's all fine. So far the note has done a pretty good job of, of fooling everyone. But then the shop owner who has that note takes it to the bank and gives it to the teller at the bank and the teller looks at it and says, well, sorry, it's a fake and throws it in the bin. It's taken out of circulation. That's what it's like to call Jesus Lord, Lord, but to not actually do what he says. And that's what will happen to us. We might have people fooled for a while, but eventually we all wind up, not in the bank, but at the judgment seat of Christ. And if we're not the real deal, we're just talking it, but not walking it, we'll be thrown into the bin. We'll be judged for that and for that hypocrisy. It's a strong warning from the Lord Jesus. It'll actually be like Lance Armstrong. Most of you, if not all of you, know the story of Lance Armstrong. He won the Tour de France seven years in a row, from 99 through to 2005. And the thing that made his accomplishment uh, doubly amazing is that he did it after being diagnosed with cancer and coming back, bouncing back from having cancer. Um, the allegations that he was um, doping and using performance-enhancing drugs started in 1999 and they were relentless from then on, but he denied them in the media and everywhere again and again and again. This is what he said to CNN in August 2005. He said, if you think of my situation, a guy who's come back arguably from a death sentence, why would I enter into a sport and dope myself and risk my life all over again? That's crazy. I would never do that. No, no way. Well, it was about three years ago now that the US anti-doping agency said Armstrong was part of the most sophisticated, professionalized and successful doping program that sport has ever seen. Lance finally uh, admitted to doping uh, about three years ago in an interview with Oprah. In just one day, he lost seven sponsors reported to be worth $70 million. Uh, he's been stripped of all seven uh, Tour de France titles and he's been banned from professional cycling for life. He's having to pay back all of his prize money. Lance Armstrong, he said all the right things. He knew all the right things uh, and he was playing the game, but eventually he was exposed and so he lost everything. That's the danger of a merely intellectual knowledge. That's the danger of a merely verbal profession. So how do we apply a passage like this? Well, firstly, I think we should apply it to our lives in their entirety from beginning to end over the long term, as opposed to just a single moment. Because if we apply this too narrowly or, or strictly to just uh, a moment in our lives, then we're all in trouble because we all sin. And our words don't always match up with what the Lord Jesus actually wants for our lives. So we all say, Lord, Lord, but we don't always mean it all of the time. Jesus is talking about the long-term trajectory of our lives, I think, um, of becoming more and more like Christ. Um, so one guy, uh, Jeff Vanderstelt, he says... We define discipleship as leading people to increasingly submit all of life to the Lordship 
of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, we trust in the Lord uh, and his promise to save us through his body and his blood that we're going to be partaking of later on. We, we trust him as Lord and Savior. But this should actually cause us to, uh, secondly, to examine ourselves. Um, many of you will know that the Corinthians, uh, the church in Corinth, they were, they were struggling quite a bit too, and, and their profession of Jesus didn't particularly match up um, very well um, with their lives. And Paul, in, in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, he says, he says to them, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And you know, um, every new year, every January can be a good time to, to reflect. Reflect on where you were this time last year or, or the year before. And, and indeed, that will be humbling uh, to see how you still need the Lord Jesus. But to be examining your life and asking yourself, am I increasingly learning to submit all of my life to the Lordship? Of Jesus Christ um, in the area of sex, money, power, with your use of your time or the talent that God has given you or, or your treasure? Are you increasingly learning to submit all of that to the Lordship of Christ? Abraham Kuyper once said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. In other words, it's all his in the first place. He's the Lord. It all belongs to him. And so uh, am I increasingly learning to submit my life to him? So I want to conclude again with Eugene Peterson's translation uh, of this passage. Um, and afterwards, I'm going to say, um, this is the word of the Lord picking up on this idea that Jesus, we say, Lord, Lord, and we want to take these to heart and build a foundation on them. And you can reply, thanks be to God. Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing the thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. They're foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Peter.